My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. I want to tell you a story of just meeting a person who really ended up seeing a life change. About a year and a half ago, my wife and I went to our bank so that we could apply for and open a business account. We're part of this nonprofit opportunity of serving men and women who have come out of jail or prison. We thought it'd probably be good to separate that and have a specific account for that and, you know, LLC and whatever. And so we did that. And uh, we went into our bank. I, you know, I hardly ever go into a bank. I use my phone all the time. Uh, my wife does that. You can pretty much do everything, right? Well, we went into the bank, and I thought this could be a simple process. I just imagined in my head, 15 minutes, we've been customers forever at this bank. And so it'd be a simple process. And, and in one sense, it was. But it took a lot longer than 15 minutes. Um, we were introduced to uh, one of the gentlemen there, nice-looking guy wearing a suit and tie. We sat down, started the process. I think his computer was running uh, Windows XP because... Everything just, you know, like you input, click, and wait. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and, you know, it was just like figuring out and checking all the facts and going through every line about our lives. And, and so I just kind of settled in. I'm like, well, this is going to take a whole lot longer than I thought. And uh, that's okay. You know, I drive into Portland pretty much every day. It takes a whole lot longer than I think, you know. And it's like, okay, God, that's fine. I'll just chill. We go through the process and go through the questions. And just a nice guy, start talking. And yet, but in my mind, I got to be honest, in my mind, I'm there to open up a business account at my bank. That's, that's why I'm there, right? It's my wife and I set up an appointment. That's why we were there. That's not why God had us there. And so, uh, at one point, he asked me the question that I don't always know how to answer. It's like, what's your occupation? And the reason I don't know how to answer that is because if I say pastor, that usually cut, shuts everything off. Um, try it one day if you're on an airplane and you don't want to talk to anybody or them talk to you. I kid you not, just say, I'm a pastor. They'll put headphones on and go to sleep or fake it. And it is the weirdest thing, you know, and usually I have to explain I'm not that kind of pastor or, you know, whatever. And so, but this is a, this is a bank, I can't lie, it's FDIC insured. And so I, I just said, well, I'm a pastor. And it was cool because his response is, oh, what church? And I said, Sunrise Church. And it was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that church and everything. And that's great. Well, that's when, and this is, all apologies, this is your pastor. He's thick-headed sometimes. That's when I woke up and I realized, wait a minute. This is a real person doing a real job with a real life, and I've been focusing on an account. And God woke me up, and I started thinking, okay, God, I started praying inside. Like, what, what can I say? What can I ask? That kind of thing. And um, I, I'm not an evangelist. I do the work of an evangelist, as we're all called to do that. 
um, but I don't think this way normally. And so I started engaging in conversation, and, and uh, so I started asking questions, and uh, one of the questions I asked was, well, do you attend church? No, that's a safe question. Uh, you know, went, used to go to church, and I kind of made a, made a jump here, a little flyer. It's like, well, was it a Catholic church? It's like, yeah. I go, so you, you live with guilt, right? Yeah, that's great. Okay. Kind of have a little fun with that. It's true, man. If you've got a Catholic past, you are guilt-ridden. Um, and, um, and so, you know, just, you know, just along. And so as the click and waiting for the thing to process for every field or every box, I'm praying like, Lord, give me a question, give me a thought. And um, when all was said and done, we shook hands, and, and I just, my wife and I left, and I just said, man, that, you know, I just would love to share Christ. And so I actually started going into the bank. Um, I didn't normally go into the bank, so I, I would just make a, a, an opportunity to go to the bank. It'd be like, hey, you got any checks to deposit? No, I scanned them on my phone. It's like, just stop doing that. You know, it's like, it's too efficient. Let's go see people, you know? And so I would go into the bank, and I would see this gentleman, and um, it just, you know, it's all about relationships, right? You never know, but I just felt in my heart, I, I needed to stop thinking about myself and my you know, my expedient desire to get something done quickly with my phone. And, and um, well, along the journey, well, what was fascinating was I didn't make the connection at first, but these two young gals um, with kids were coming on the weekend services and just beautiful gals, just a lot of energy, a lot of uh, joy. And they came to a connect class and they're sitting at a table and I'm talking with them and everything. And um, it's just, it's just kind of cool to see God work in people's lives. Well, it wasn't very long after that, that I saw these gals coming in and uh, he was with one of them. And I'm like, what's that? And it's his wife and sister. And I'm like, well, you're kidding me. And, um, and so making a connection and just, you know, along the journey there, just kind of, you know, just trying to say hi and, and all that. And, and then, you know, at the bank and going in and saying hi and, you know, introducing me as pastor. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Is that, do I feel good about that or not? You know, I just want to be James. And, you know, that's okay. It's part of the journey. And then um, he had a, one week and I saw him with a Russell Wilson, uh, number three jersey, Seahawks. And man, I started trashing him because they've only won the Super Bowl once. The Raiders have won three times. And, um, and so, you know, it's just like, you know, so it's just an opportunity and talking and sitting down and talking and things like that. And, and I'd always just pray, God, give, I don't know, God, give me something to say or to ask. And, and, you know, again, this is not my natural language, not my natural ability, but I'm trying to build a relationship with someone because I think that God wants to do something. And so, and even just to build a relationship with the demonstrate Jesus love. And, and uh, I was in Alaska a year ago on a, a men's trip and a pastor's trip. It was a retreat kind of prayer thing. And I'm up there in Anchorage and along the journey, I was at a hotel and I checked my phone and uh, emails and we always get the prayers in a PDF format. So all the prayers you put in on the connect cards go on to a PDF for uh, kind of the, the normal ones, the open ones, and then the just pastors and staff prayer. And there was a prayer request from him and it kind of shocked me and it was about uh, just a, a personal need and kind of a situation going on. And I was just moved. And so I opened up my phone, uh, you know, switched to my, the lead app. We have a Sunrise lead app for small group leaders and pastors. And I was able to find the database. And I thankfully found his contact info was in, info was in there. I sent him a text like, hey, it's Pastor James. I'm up in Alaska. I'm really sorry to know what's going on. I'd love to connect with you. You want to get together? Yeah. So I think I got home on a Sunday night, super late, or a Monday night, super late, one of the two. And then the next night, so a year ago, the next night we're in Starbucks and we're talking. And just hearing and just asking the questions and processing and listening, you know, for, you know, for a long time. And, and then finally, I, I, I got to the question. I said, so how can I help you? You know, what can I do for you? And, and, um, 
And his response, it, it, was, it was good. It shocked me. It's like, I want what you have. Now, um, I try to play hard to get in those moments. Not with my wife. I tracked her down. I, I ran her over. I just, I wore her out until she finally said yes. But when it comes to the gospel, um, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit more, I really am concerned. I want to make sure a person knows exactly what they're doing when I share the message and everything. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, Jesus, I want Jesus. And so we're talking... And so I'm, you know, I, I love using napkins and drawing things and telling the story and here's four words and just here's a verse and things like that. But we got to that point where I said, you know, is, is, this, is this what you're talking about? Do you want to receive Christ? And he, and he said, yes. And, and I got emotional because I'm always in that mo- moment where, and I do it a lot at Red Robin or Starbucks or places like that. And never Dutch Brothers, it's not allowed. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but real coffee shops, um, you know, Pete's and stuff and Yeah. Um, and I'm there and, I, and I'm looking across and I had one of those moments where, okay, just all honesty here. Um, I'm just like, God, is this going to work? Not, not, are you going to do it? But did I, did I just totally mess this up? Did I get the words right? Did I say it? I don't want to be doing it. I want you to be doing it. And total fear comes into me as I'm looking and he's like, yeah, I want to receive Christ. And so it's like what, months ago maybe Pastor Taylor preached about the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and when the scales fell from his eyes it's like I could see that you know spiritually I could see his scales fall from his eyes and he prayed to receive Christ and man it just um, I don't know why but I always marvel at that I, I, I'm so I'm just it's almost it's not incredulous but it's just incredible when someone says yes to receiving Jesus and you get to be a part of that when you get to be a part of seeing someone receive Christ, not, not a religion, but a true relationship with Christ, when you get to see um, a new path, a new direction, spiritually, our sins are wiped away, the Bible says, when we receive Christ. We're given a, a, the Holy Spirit inside of us, and the Holy Spirit begins to work on us, and so we started a discipling relationship, and, and I'm just, I, just, I just walk away in tears, because I'm like, I got to be a part of that. I didn't do it, but I got to be a part of it because I was awake, you know? I had a moment where it's like, I'm not here at the bank for an account. I'm here for a person. And I confess, I don't always have those eyes. And I'm sure you're in the same boat. We go from place to place, shop to shop, neighbor to neighbor, whatever, and we just have our eyes down. And we don't lift up our eyes and see the harvest is ready all around us, as Jesus says in John 4. But I'm always, I'm always amazed at how the gospel, the good news message of Jesus Christ, still changes lives. 2,000 years later, how we, just normal people, hurting, broken, we got our own issues, people, when we fall in love with the gospel every day, when we preach the gospel to ourselves every day, when we share the gospel with people all the time, God shows up. God does something in that. And when he does something that, it's just, it's just, I just sit there and I go, this is so far beyond me, which is a good reminder, right? Um, but God, you are so good that you still change lives. Now, some of you are here and you, you know what I'm talking about because you have had a life-changing encounter with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You have a living, breathing relationship with God. I, 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 you know that. Some of you, maybe that was a long time ago. For me, it was 40 years ago when I received Christ, but I still, it's a day-to-day thing, experience with God of being a disciple that's, you know, growing towards Christ, still after 40 years following Jesus. Um, Some of you uh, are kind of looking in from the outside because you haven't had that experience yet. 
We love the fact that you're here. It's part of our community. It's why we exist. Because we are all on this journey together. And our heart's desire is for you to encounter that gospel message in a real relationship. And um, in fact, I'm going to tell you up front, at the end of my message, I'm going to invite you to do that. Um, because some of you need that. That's, that's the only need you really have. You might have other external needs, but the true need is the message of Jesus Christ in your heart today. And um, some of you are sharing it. Some of you are actually doing that. And you're, maybe you're better at it. I'm sure you're better at it than I am uh, because you're just doing it and you struggle with it and you're pushing and leaning into it and you're, you're doing it. That's so good. And when you get to see the gospel change lives, isn't it, isn't it amazing that the message of Jesus is still alive after 2,000 years? That we are not in this room because it's a building where we can be safe and we can do our church stuff and Christianity stuff and we can, you know, as Karl Marx said, you know, accept the opiate of the masses and just go and do our droning work in the factories and do our thing and, you know, keep it, keep it okay and control the madness of crowds with the religion. No, 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 this is about Jesus. He's real. God is real and he's moving. And when you encounter that, either you're on the receiving end or, dare I say, the giving end of that, uh, it's unbelievable. We've been in the book of Acts since the fall, and we get to see that all the time. And I just am so in love with this book again uh, that a guy named Luke, a doctor, a medical guy who took copious notes and details upon details about things, shared the story of that good news message of Jesus first showing up. Jesus has come. He's gone to the cross, died for our sins. He's been resurrected. He's appeared to these disciples. And he's then gone off to heaven saying, I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you. All authority has been given to me. So you go and make disciples of all nations. You baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you teach these new disciples to obey all the commands they've given you. And he wraps it with that. I'm not leaving you. I'm here. All authority. You could do this because I'm going to be doing it. And we're in that story now. And it starts in Jerusalem reaching Jews, the hearts and the minds of the Jewish people, they get it. The people that had rejected Jesus, the people, at least the religious leaders who had said crucify him, right? They're receiving Jesus now. And then it goes out of the countryside, uh, what we would call like our county, out in the, you know, the areas where they weren't in the big city with the temple, but they're out there and the hearts and minds of people there are changed. And a big monumental movement was when it crossed over into the area called the Samaritans, when these religious outcasts, racial outcasts, some significant racism was broken. Uh, walls were, were you know, just, just totally torn down with Jesus Christ. And then the Samaritans and their hearts and minds believed it. And then, then, then it was the ends of the earth, the Gentiles. We saw a couple weeks ago the church had moved to Antioch. We saw guys like Paul, Paul and Barnabas today, Paul and Silas and Timothy. They go out and they share this message into the ends of the earth. And they go, they just like leave. Normal, this is so cool. Normal followers of Jesus are sent out by churches to take the message. Now we would look back and go, they're missionaries. And, and I think in a true sense, you know, they were missionaries. But they're just normal people like you and me who are so overwhelmed with the love of God, the compassion of God. We're so just blown away by the fact that God still moves in hearts, that they left everything to go to people that had never heard before. Isn't that amazing? And, and all we have to do, and this is crazy, all we have to do is go to someone in our school who's never heard before. Go to someone in our workplace who's never heard before. Go to someone in our neighborhood who's never heard before. In America right now, there are a lot of people that have never really truly heard about Jesus. They've never truly seen a witness for Jesus, right? And we get to do that right here. 
And then we get to go as well, but we get to go across the street. It's amazing. And share the message of Jesus. And so we're going to continue on in that story. And what's cool is we're going to see how the gospel changes lives uh, this week and next week. Three stories, three people. Today we're going to see two ladies, how the gospel changes lives. Different stories, different experiences, same Jesus. Next week, same thing, different story, different guy, same Jesus, change lives. For one, I hope it hurts, you know, it hits you personally and, you know, and, and, and gets you the point if you're not willing to share that, that your, your heart is broken over people and you're hurt for the fact that there are lost and dying people all around us. And for others, it might be you. You might be the lost person that's coming today that'll be found today because of Jesus. But I just want you to know the gospel still changes lives. And I'm here as an example of it. And, and many of you are here as an example of it. Are we doing that and sharing that? Are we in faith stepping out and doing that? Now, there's a story before the story, and it's kind of cool, and I want to share it with you. And, and I hate to say this, a lot of people kind of throw it away because they get to the meat of it, and it's a really cool story. So if you're in the book of Acts, you've got it open. Chapter 16, we are going to see this. Chapter 16 is a really cool story. It's where Paul and, and Silas go to, to Philippi. But before that, this is such an awesome thing. I want to, want to read some of the story here um, as we jump into it. It says, next... Um, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. So this is their second missionary journey, all right? They've done it. They went back to Jerusalem. Now they're traveling again, all right? Second time Paul's gone out. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Now stop for just a second here because you might be hearing and so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so and you're just checked out, right? It's like, what in the world's going on? Well, it is something in the world. Luke is just meticulously detailing everything as he does, which by the way, the first time I read through the book of Acts with a group of guys years ago, it was just a reading group, chapter a week, just talk about it. I was kind of annoyed by Paul. Or by Luke, excuse me, because he wrote everything down. Well, then later when I studied and actually showed up in some of these places, I was amazed by Luke, the accuracy of everything. And if Luke can be accurate on little seaports and little notes and a little bit of ship moving here to here, it's like the big stuff is important. And he was an accurate person in his gospel called Luke and in the book of Acts. And, and it matters. And, it, you know, where, where Bithynia is, I don't think it matters to your spiritual life today. I don't think you're going to have a devotional experience with that one. But the fact is, are you noticing what's going on? Paul and Silas are trying to go, and God's stopping them? Go on. Check this out. It says, That night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now, the reason I love that, and and again, a lot of people just kind of blow by, and I get that. But the reason I love that is because I think we romanticize the people of the Bible in the sense that, we take it away from normal life and we go, well, yeah, if I were those people, I could have a direct line to God and I would get text messages from God daily and I could email him and we'd Vimeo chat and, and I would know and this is kind of, but you see, we read the Bible backwards and we read the book of Acts backwards and we know the end of the story. And what I think we wrestle with is the reality of it. And this is a real person, real people trying to go reach the gospel and take the gospel into uncharted areas, reaching real people. And they're just trying. And what I love is they're headed in one direction and God shuts them down. Shuts down Paul? Absolutely. It's like, then let's go a different direction. Boom, shuts them down. And then goes a different direction. Shuts them down. Then he gets this vision, this dream at night. And all of a sudden, 
there's a story, right? Uh, it's also cool that you've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit in one text right there. They're all, I mean, it takes the whole Trinity to shut down Paul when he gets moving, right? And they redirect him with this vision. And in this vision, they had a certain direction. Now, as this week and next week progress, you'll know that the vision they received is about a man coming and they go, they encounter something entirely different. When I was a brand new follower of Jesus, I remember asking the question, how do I know God's will for my life? And it was mostly in relationship to dating and college. Those were the only two things that mattered to me in high school. Um, dating and college, you know, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to do it with, right? What, what does God want for the rest of my life? And, and I'll, I'll never forget this. The, the reality is, is that some really good believers in Christ, they sat down and they said, well, here's some pieces of advice. And I, I remember these. These could be good for you. They're not on the screen. You can write them down or just get one of the sermon notes pages on the way out. But um, this is what they said. They said, number one, make sure your desire, your plan is in harmony with God's will. Because God's never going to contradict himself. And as a pastor, I can say that. If you, you, know, you, you feel like God wants you to go do this and yet his word says the opposite, God's not talking. Maybe the culture's talking, your heart's talking. God's never going to contradict himself. So make sure what you want, make sure what you desire is in line and harmony with God's revealed will in the Bible. Number two, ask mature believers for their input. That's really important. Um, you know, pastors and biblical counselors, small group leaders, people that are around you, the church basically. Go to other believers and say, I got this idea, I've got this, I got this thought or I've got this fear. What do you think about it? Ask mature believers for their input. Number three, check your own motives. I confess, sometimes my motives, well, they're just kind of complicated, right? Um, they're just confusing a little bit. And when your motives are convoluted to the point that you don't know what's up or down, you might not be making a good decision. Just check your own heart. Is this really, is this truly what God wants or are you just running off on emotions? Number four, draw close to God while you're waiting. Just draw close to God. Just get close to God. Uh, develop the intimacy with God and then I think he's gonna show you the way because number five is simply this. Just pray that God opens or closes doors. Just pray that he opens or closes doors. It's a biblical thing. We see Paul praying for an open door for the gospel. Um, and, and pray, God, if you don't want that, shut the door. You know, if you want that, open the door. That's a biblical thing. Um, my wife and I were doing that this week on a pretty major decision. And um, I was just reminded of the words of the proverb writer. And as I held her and we prayed, I, I, I just prayed these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. That's it. That's how, that's how to know the will of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust in your own wisdom. Don't get too excited about your brilliance, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own, well, even friends or what the culture is saying, understanding. Seek his will. Put his will first. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God first. Put his will first. And he'll show you which path to take. That was Paul's strategy. I don't know if you heard an audible voice from God. I've never heard an audible voice from God. Usually the Holy Spirit sounds like my wife, you know. And, and it's true, man. God speaks through her. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I want to be sensitive. And sometimes, you know, my voice speaking to her sounds, you know, like God. And, and that's a very, you know, challenging thing at times. But the reality is God wants to speak to you. And he wants to show you the way to go. And for Paul, it was, I want to go share the gospel. Silas is like, we're leaving everything. We're like sent out by the church to go do this. And we're closed door, closed door, closed door, open door. It's like, okay, all right, I'll take what you can give me. Well, 
We're going to see uh, three stories, two today, and I, I hope you, you, uh, you're, you're moved by these because, man, I, I will probably cry through these stories because I have all the last two weeks that I've been working on this message for you. It starts off with this. It says, we boarded a boat for Troas and sailed straight across the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony, and we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath... Uh, Saturday, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth, who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Now, now here's, here's the first gal, Lydia. We know quite a lot about her from the story. Um, first of all, she's a foreigner. She's not from there. She's from modern-day Turkey. She's now in Greece, a, a country away, basically a world away at that time. Uh, she's wealthy. She's influential. And she worshiped God. How do we know these things? Well, first of all, Lydia was a successful businesswoman from Thyatira, a town that was known because of a specific purple flower plant that could be, through great expense, converted into dye for purple cloth. Um, we know she's hundreds of miles from home. She's on a different country. I mean, she's, she's technically in a different place, and yet God has moved her there, she thought maybe, for business purposes. But God has moved her there so she could hear the gospel message. She was one of the many God-fearers, the Gentiles and non-Jew who would hang out with Jews because they knew there was a true God and the Jewish people worshiped the true God. And so they would come under that banner. They didn't accept all of the things of the Old Testament as far as the rules, uh, but they were God-fearers. Last week, Pastor Shane talked about that in Acts 15, that, you know, do you go straight to Jesus or do you have to go to Moses first? No, you can go straight to Jesus. You don't have to accept all of the Old Testament customs of the law because the law is now fulfilled in Jesus and you just come straight to Jesus. Paul and Timothy traveled 150 miles by ship. That's, that's pretty cool. 150 miles by, on a boat. And then they landed and they walked 10 miles to get to this Roman colony called Philippi. She was seeking truth. God was seeking her. That's so cool. She went out to pray. Her prayers were going to be answered. (laughs) It's an awesome thing. I think that's really true even today, my friends. um, If you're in our foyer and you look over by the cafe and you notice on the wall there's a picture, a big picture of the Tom Hughes Plaza downtown, uh, the Civic Center for us, uh, the fountain going. I've got the verse from Jeremiah. It says, pray for the peace and prosperity of the city to which I called you, for if it prospers, you prosper. And uh, I have it there because I pray for the prosperity of Hillsborough, not because I want to be a white middle class, you know, American. It's because I want people to come here. I want people to move here from every region of the world so they can hear about Jesus. Um, some of us need to go, but there's a lot of people coming. And the fact is, is that we at Sunrise, I shared weeks ago, we have over 50 different countries backgrounds, nations represented here that have moved here. That wasn't true 25 years ago. It's absolutely true now. I want our community to prosper because that many more people will come here. Um, If you watch the video, Zena, at the end, she came from Somalia, right? She received this vision of Jesus as a dream, and she came here, and she was saved. I want that. 
I want visions and dreams of Jesus showing up in people's lives. I have friends who minister in the Middle East and they tell me over and over again where Jesus has never been heard, where Jesus has never been preached, where there's no church. Jesus shows up in dreams and he reveals himself and people begin to follow and an underground church develops. That is our God. He wants all people everywhere to hear the message and be saved. And so the fact he's bringing them to Hillsborough, you might be here searching for God. I tell you, far before you ever thought about him, he thought about you and he was searching for you. And it is still true today. And it is so exciting to think about this. Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth, a very expensive endeavor because it was a very difficult process to get that dye to convert from the plant. Only very wealthy people could afford purple. Lydia was a, she was a, she was a lady that sold beautiful clothes to beautiful people. How about that, right? She was in the upper reaches of the world. Now, there was no Jewish synagogue in Philippi, so the women gathered out down to the, they went down to the river to pray. That's where the song came from, yes. They went down to the river to pray, and as they prayed, Paul and his companions went there. And now it's cool, Paul didn't stand there and preach, he didn't pull up a chair and, you know, do that. He just sat down amongst the women, and he began sharing the message of Jesus. You know, Paul's approach was reasoning, He's a Jew reaching Jewish people and God-fearing Gentiles. And he just sat down. He began to talk about Jesus. We don't have the story. We don't have the text. But he reasoned is the word that was used. And, and Lydia's heart was opened. This is so important. There was an attraction to Paul's words. When you share the message of Jesus, is it attractive? I, I'm not talking about making it flowery. I'm talking about Jesus was attractive when he was here on the earth. Crowds gathered around Jesus. People invited others to come and see Jesus because there was something compelling about him. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. Is there anything attractive to us or our message? Because for Paul, as he shared the message of Jesus with her, there was an attraction. I find it fascinating that a woman whose business was beauty found beauty in Jesus. And she received the message, and she and her whole household were baptized. But then we jump to the second woman in the story. Actually, not just a woman, actually really a girl, a young girl. Here's the second story in Philippi. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. I think that's that's awesome, by the way. Then, one, then this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly I left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. Now next week, we'll come back and start here because that's the next story, but I wanted to include that because they're in trouble now because of the message of Jesus. Now, totally different situation than Lydia. Here is a, a, a young girl meaning between the ages of 10 and 14, really just a a child. She was a slave. She was not a free, wealthy businesswoman. She was a slave. Um, I don't know, was she kept in chains? Was she kept in ropes? Was she kept in a cage? She was an oddity for the culture. She was nothing more than a sideshow freak in people's eyes. And, And she was just a young girl who was captive. She was spiritually troubled. Now, The reason I say those things is because in the original text, it indicates that she had the spirit of the python in her. Now, that is really weird. Nobody translates that because none of us would understand that. But they completely understood that in that culture. Because if you wanted to seek the wisdom of the gods, 
If you wanted to travel and find out what the gods wanted for you, you would go to one place on earth. You'd go to Delphi and you would go to the temple of Apollo and there was a massive python there that guarded the entrance. And you would go there and you would go to the priests and the priests would take your request to the oracles. The oracles were young girls who lived in caves and in homes and they were, at least by what we would think of, absolutely insane. They shrieked. They had epileptic seizures. They trembled. They spoke in other tongues. They were just wild young girls. And then those messages would be interpreted by the priests and the people would be told what the gods wanted for their lives. I had the chance to go to Delphi a year and a half ago and go up there to the temple of Apollo and where these young girls were and where the python was and where all this was. And you know what they have found? They have found fissures in the earth where methane gas used to pump through. For hundreds and hundreds of years, methane gas would come up. And you know, if you're exposed to methane for a prolonged period, of, you know, it does exactly that to you. It eventually kills you. The, the, the story is these young gals didn't live a very long life and they were just tools for religion. And they were thrown in the midst of this and they were drove insane for the sake of religion. And here is this young gal, this slave in Philippi with that spirit of the python. And we know that she acted and sound like that because she went around, you know, shouting. Literally, the word is shrieking, the message. And she was captive And she was held as a slave for what people could get out of her. And she had a demon in her. And Paul got so exasperated in this demon speaking the truth. That's a whole weird story, by the way. In fact, if you study Jesus, once he was in a synagogue, he was was there. And this demon was shrieking the same thing. This is Jesus who wants to show you the way to God. Which is cool because Jesus' brother James, he actually wrote that. He said, even the demons believe. You say you believe in God, good. Even the demons believe that and they tremble. The demonic world knows the truth about Jesus. And here, for some reason, this demon is shrieking through this woman, this young gal. This guy, these are here because they want to tell you the way to be saved. I don't know exactly why he would do that, but he did. And Paul got so exasperated with the demon, he cast the demon out. Now, think about this, my friends. This woman, this young lady, this slave was tormented because she was a slave on the inside and she was a slave on the outside. She was oppressed And she was exploited by men. If Lydia is the owner of an elite boutique shop in downtown Portland that everybody wants to go to, this young gal is the sex-trafficked teenage prostitute kept drugged up on the street by her pimp. That's who she is. And with compassion, Paul drives this demon out of her. Paul got so annoyed with the demon that he cast it out. What did Lydia need? She needed a prayer group. What did this young girl need? An exorcism, right? If you're old enough, Linda Blair, right? (laughs) That was her. Lydia needed to hear about Jesus in a rational way with someone who would sit down with her. This girl, she just needed to be released from her enslavement because she was tormented by Satan. Lydia, rich and influential. This girl, nothing more than a slave used by men. Lydia needed a message of forgiveness This girl needed a message of freedom. Lydia was an owner. This young girl was owned. When I think about Lydia and the slave girl, they both received freedom, but it was different. And that's just an example of how Jesus shows up in every human heart and every need. Some of you, maybe you're more like Lydia. 
Uh, you might be a male Lydia, a Lydion or something like that. Or a Larry, I don't know. Some of you, you're, you're, you're reaching for the top. And you're getting that. You're, you're, you're wealthy. You, you wear the nice clothes. You have the purple of our culture. And, and you need someone to tell you about Jesus. Some of you are here, you're tormented. Uh, because the things you have run to have resulted in slavery. It could be sex, could be, it could be addictions of alcohol or drugs, relationships. It could be money and possessions. It could be you're tormented by the demons who will not leave you alone. That's the beauty of the gospel, my friend. Jesus shows up in every need and every human heart. As I think back to my friend just before he received Christ in that Starbucks a year ago, you know, I thought, you know, he's going to be free from sin. And Jesus is going to free him. He's going to free him, give him true freedom. He's going to give him true life. And I wondered, though, could God change this guy? And I was praying. I was hoping. I didn't want to mess it up. And, and, and Jesus did. And Jesus has. And I think he still can for anyone here today who's willing to receive it. Lydia realized it, and she found fulfillment in Jesus. This young gal, she found freedom in Jesus. And I know that freedom and fulfillment are still found in Jesus. And I believe in every human heart there's a longing. I believe that there's an ache in every human heart. Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician, said it this way. There's a hole in everyone's heart. It's a God-shaped hole. It can only be filled by God. We, of course, fill it with everything under the sun, but it never truly satisfies us. It was Solomon who wrote in Ecclesiastes that God has planted eternity in our hearts. Everyone on this planet knows there's more than what's around us. And we are finding ways to fill it, and yet we are being disappointed by what we found because it satisfies for a while, but it never fully satisfies. Uh, Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales, A Knight's Tale, he writes this line. Uh, this, is, this is so cool. He says, he says, the drunken man knows he has a home. He just doesn't know where to, how to find it. He doesn't know the way. I think that's true of every person on the planet. We are drunk by the desires of our lives, and yet it, it makes the vision cloudy. It makes the vision difficult to see. But in every heart, we know there's a home. And we know there's a way home. We just can't find it. Because we've been trying to find it in everything else. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the way home. He's the only way home. The apostles said there is salvation found in no one else. There is no other way to be saved but through Jesus Christ. And in every heart, in this room, listening, watching, we're trying to fill it. We're trying to fill the emptiness. It could be with expensive things that ultimately don't satisfy. It could be with addictions, demons that end up making us slaves. Jesus will give you freedom. He'll give you fulfillment when you come to him because he is the one you've been looking for, my friends. Now, I'm going to pray and I and I'm just going to invite you to do something for me. We're going to receive communion. But at Sunrise, we're just going to give you one of two options. That's all we got today. That's all we got anytime. Communion, for those who know Christ, come up to that. Respond to the message. Thank Jesus for his life. Or the cross. Come to the cross because you need Jesus. That's all we got. That's all we got. The cross, because you need to find Jesus. You need that hole filled. 
or communion because you've had it filled and you want to just pour out your love and thankfulness. So I'm going to pray. Father, as we come to you, and I just want to thank you for Jesus, the hope that we have and the reason. And some people in the room, they've seen the gospel change their lives. Some, they're in the process of seeing the gospel change somebody else's life. And, and some in the room, they need to cry out to you to change their life. They need freedom and fulfillment, which is only found in you, Jesus. They need to come to the cross. You've given everything for us. You've come to the cross. You've died for us. You've been resurrected. You've ascended into heaven, and you are now offering us eternal life, and we can just say yes to you, and we can receive and respond to this message, receive you because you are a God who so loved us that you sent your only son, Jesus, the best gift possible, that if we receive that message, that you give us a brand new life, a brand new eternity, but a brand new today. And you begin this amazing work in our hearts. And then you put us on fire to reach other people, that we become a follower who creates followers, who we become a, a disciple who disciples others, Lord. And that's just really our calling. Move in our hearts, I pray in your name. Amen. This is a little invitation for those uh, coming to the cross or to communion. The Bible says that when Jesus was um, beat up for us, when he was whipped for us, when he had his back ripped open for us, when he was lashed for us before he went to the cross, that those Roman soldiers in mockery threw a robe on him. Do you remember the color? Purple. In mockery as a king. The only one who really had the right to wear purple. (laughs) He wore tattered clothes. He was poor. He was homeless. He relied on the, the generosity of friends and neighbors as he preached the message. And as we come, just remember, there's a God that loves you so much that set aside the purple robes of glory. And in mockery, we put that on him. But in now is calling you the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, giving you a way to find him. Let's come today.